Exacta Nature loves partnering with the Sobriety Diaries because we are committed to the same goal, helping you strengthen your recovery. Exacta Nature's safe, all-natural CBD-based products help you face the challenges of sobriety head-on. Learn more at exactnature.com. And as a listener of the Sobriety Diaries, use the code TSD20 to receive 20% off. Exactnature.com. Welcome to the Sobriety Diaries, friends. My name is Nate. I am a grateful recovering alcoholic six years from my last drink. My sobriety is such a huge part of who I am. I decided that I needed to help others find their voice and share their journey too. The Sobriety Diaries is a video podcast where we share powerful stories of recovery told by those who live them. Head on over to thesobrietydiaries.com where you can join our insiders list for exclusive content, early release episodes, and more. Also, please share this podcast with just one person in your life who may still be struggling. You just never know what they may need to hear today. Recovery is possible. Happy Sober Day, friends. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with me here on the Sobriety Diaries and being part of our recovery community. We continue to build these relationships and this awareness around addiction and recovery. And I know I say it all the time, but I couldn't be more grateful for your support and for coming back week after week. So thank you again. I will do my best to continue to bring powerful stories of recovery told by those who live them. Today, we are talking to the sober coach, Joanne Nash. She is a certified CPRC and soon is transitioning from a part-time coach in which She works individually with her clients, but has still been holding her nine to five and her corporate gig as well. But she has been afforded the opportunity to explore coaching full time and really dive into her passion and dive into being able to help folks discover their own path to recovery. And I couldn't be happier for her. We discuss what that means to her and being able to live and breathe this career that brings so much fulfillment and so much happiness to her life and to her own recovery as well. I think that's something that is so important to touch on. Those of us who are able to help others in their path to or their journey to recovery, we're still working on our own selves as well. We're working on our own recovery on a daily basis and being able to provide that for other people and help others discover that truly is a huge part of of my recovery. And I know it is um, a large part of Joanne's as well. So We have an amazing conversation, so let's open the diary on Joanne Nash. Joanne Nash, thank you so much for spending time with me on the Sobriety Diaries today. How are you, my friend? I'm really good. Thank you so much for having me. 
It's been uh, kind of a long time coming, right? We originally planned on uh, recording for season one, but like I said, maybe everything will work out as it should. Uh, but here we are for, uh, you're helping me launch season two. So I appreciate Yay. that. And I'm uh, looking forward to our conversation. Me too. I'm so grateful to be here this time around. So thanks for having me. <laughs> yes. So what made you decide to recover out loud or share your story in a public forum? I think for me, Nate, because there are so many people that are suffering in silence and afraid to speak out, I think I've always, especially in relation to my mental health issues as well, I've always kind of spoken out. So when I went on this journey, I thought, well, it's no different. And I knew by me speaking out was going to help others because it had done with mental health. And I think it's just, it's so important. And it's just seeing the benefit that we can help so many people. And just like you've said on, on, I think it was your podcast with Blair, it's that by us speaking out, we are, it's not all doom and gloom. We are putting putting out the positivity like it's such a positive change and we're so excited about it that I think it it gives people both sides that's funny you mentioned my episode with Blair so I clung to a quote that she said and I use it often and it is we feel like we found the secret to life you know we had this portion of our lives that we sort of were living in in misery almost and it felt like we we perhaps would never get out of that and when we find that we don't have to drink or that we are given that option it's almost like wow this is the secret this is how i can live i don't need to be miserable you know for the rest of my life so um i love that you mentioned blair she's still a friend of mine and i tell her often that i steal her quote and i use it <laughs> everywhere so i'm sure she wouldn't mind us uh discussing it no so sense. thank you for that no worries i think it's very similar to um brene brown put a yeah. quote out as well too it's like sobriety is not a limitation it's a superpower and that is how i love to look at it as well too that it is a superpower. It's not easy to do, but my God, it's so worth it. I love it. Well, tell me when your last drink or drug was and why it was that day in particular. It was the 8th of December, 2018. So I'm just three years, just past my three years milestone. Um, I don't, there was no major, again, probably very similar to Blair's story. There was no major rock bottom. Um, I think it was accumulation of many, many kind of low points. So I had began this journey around 2013. So I always knew that I overdid it. So I would say I was maybe born without an off switch. Yeah. When when I got started, I just, I didn't want it to end. I just liked the good feeling it, it gave me. So what I done back in 2013 is that's where I love like dry January, dry July, sober October, because they were my bit of insight and leading a life without alcohol. Um, And I would use those to to give myself that break and and try it. Um, So I would have started kind of dabbling around then. Um, And then as time went on, I would stretch it a bit, but I did always go and fall back into the cycle 
you know, where I thought, oh, it's okay, I'm fixed, I can moderate. If I can go this long without drinking, then surely I am fine. But from that period of 2013 to 2018, again, I would just end up in the same situation. And realising there is is no moderation for me. I can't, as I say, I can't do one of anything. So I knew then, I think by the time I came to 2018, I don't regret those experiences. For me, they were essential learning to help me go, do you know what? This, This is the only way for me. And it's much easier for me to just have none than try and, and moderate it. Um, by the time 2018 came, my I was blackouts. I would have a lot of blackouts. I would be, binge drinker would have mainly been my issue so it would have been having a lot of blackouts and then my hangovers would last for about Mm. four days wow because with the mental health issues I would when I drank I just drank to get out of my head I just couldn't cope with the buzziness in my head but I wasn't allowing the medication that I'd been on to work because alcohol is a depressant as we know so it was stopping the medication from working and then I think the four-day hangovers were just the anxiety of what did I do and the wow. blackouts because I had no memory. I just thought there has to be more to life. Yeah. Than, I think that that brings up a couple good points. I think the first one is that there is no definition of an alcoholic or an addict as far as quantity or quality yeah. goes. It is how we use a substance to get out of ourselves or how we use a substance to alter ourselves so that we can feel okay. So for one person that may be drinking once a week Mm -hmm. and just to excess or, Mm -hmm. you know, to your point, it was, you could take January off. You could take October Mm -hmm. off, um, which is the second point I wanted to touch on. Sometimes these sort of challenges are frowned upon this dry January or sober October, However, I I disagree and I like to highlight them because if we have a period of time where we have that mental clarity and we are off of our substance and we start to realize what the positivities can be, mm-hmm. that can sort of set us on this journey or yes. point us in the right direction. Even if in February we drink or November we drink, mm-hmm. uh, we, we can start to realize the positive, um, yeah. the positivities that could come with uh, that mental clarity. So I love those points and I yes. love that you brought those up. So thank you. Oh, it, I would feel exactly the same with with the dry January. I do challenges and support challenges myself yeah. just because of that. It's that insight yeah. to the goodness. That's great. And we'll get into your coaching here in a bit. But so let's go back on your story a bit and maybe talk a bit about what led up to uh, that mm-hmm. date in 2018 and maybe some of uh, the darker days of your addiction. Yeah. yeah. Um, for me... I would have started drinking when I was about, I think I had my first drink when I was 12, maybe 13. And that's not really uncommon here at all. Um, So it would have been mainly drinking with friends at the weekend. Obviously, parents didn't know. So you used to make yourself sick before you went home. Oh, gross. Um, (laughs) But then that started to just kind of become routine. That's what we did. 
Um, so we would all kind of pitch our pocket money together and buy eight hooch and have four each and that was just <laughs> okay, just I weekend. That. I can't remember <laughs> if we said after we did the intro where you are, but but you are in um Northern Ireland, did you yes. say? Okay. I'm a, I'm a dairy girl. I'm a regional dairy girl. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> have uh, you seen the show, Nick? No, no. Dairy girls, you have to watch them. <laughs> I've heard, yeah, I've heard of it and I need to, especially now, like I'm obsessed with your accent. So <laughs> if I can get more of it there, I will. <laughs> so explain what you just said for Hitch or for, what was that? Hitch. So yeah. that would have been like an alcohol pop. Okay. So you could get eight of them for five pounds. So if got we it. put 250 on each, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got four each. Now, um, was is the drinking age strict? Did you have to find someone to buy it or was it a little mm-hmm. more relaxed? Okay. Yeah. But then we would have had maybe people in the crowd that was that bit older. Yeah. That they maybe had fake ID. So right. we actually never had problems. Same. Yeah, that was, Similar here. Uh, it was fine. So it was just kind of that routine. And then student life. So going out maybe three, four times a week then. So I would have been working part-time while studying. But again, it was just everybody did it. So you didn't you didn't think anything of it. But I did, my father was an alcoholic. So I did grow up in an alcoholic household. He tried to get better. He went down, it was like residential care, tried A, but it, he never, he never could. But daddy took really sick. Mm. with emphysema then so I think it was around then 1819 that that's when my mental health issues kind of started and that's when the drink started to become a bit darker for me so it would have been when I was meeting my friends then I would have been the one with we would have called it a carryout meaning I don't know use maybe as well too yeah yeah that I would have been the one just drinking out of my friends nobody else would have and it would have been a weeknight and Again, that was where my use started to kind of get dark. I knew I wasn't drinking to join in. I was drinking to numb and to avoid. Um, So that kind of continued. And then I was just wanting that feeling of escape, my escapism. And then I met my husband and all that, but it it was okay. I think it was just the way that I felt and the blackouts. I noticed my moods getting really dark that I was beginning to lose trust with myself and I would have had great boundaries. So I could have not drank during the week, Mm. but then come the weekend, that's when I went to town. I always say you don't drink in a school night because I would have work when I started full-time work and things like that. And my boundaries were good, but as time went on, I noticed those boundaries kind of slipping like there was one instant and then when I had the kids as well too like I'd be fine I could drink a bottle of wine in the house on a Friday and a Saturday and be fine but see as soon as the kids were with their nanas and we got a night out I didn't come home because I didn't want to I kept the party going and that was the things it was how selfish I was becoming yeah and it was starting to impact them the kids were always fine but I think it was that when I couldn't do things with them because I was too hungover and it was the mama guilt. Now, were you able to refrain uh, during your pregnancies? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. was fine, completely fine in that way, which was, and I think it's, that shows the power of the mindset in right. relation to this too as well, that I could just 
switch it off when I want to do. Don't get me wrong. When the kids were like six weeks and I was having my first night out, I ready, just went back. Ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. To the exact same way. Um, and then I just as time went on, the blackouts were getting worse where I'd maybe be out in a work night out and then we'd be talking about it afterwards and I'd have no recollection, but I appeared fine. And it was that was starting starting to scare me. And then we had a family wedding at one stage. It was the 23rd. So it was the day before Christmas Eve. Um, stayed out drinking all night. I think it was nine in the morning. I came home. So knowing it was Christmas Eve day and my sister had the kids. And the minute I came, oh, I was so, so angry at myself. Um, didn't care at the time. And I had to go to my sister's to pick up the kids. And she just looked at me and said, get home. Mm-hmm. And I just felt so bad because I thought it's Christmas Eve. I've yeah. ruined it for them. And they, my sister has her own kids. So I was giving her. So it was kind of accumulation of, and again, people would say, but sure, everyone does that. But for me, I knew it was taking me away from the kind of person that that I was and I couldn't trust myself anymore. And then I noticed when the drink got got on, I just wanted to party. I didn't care. I would do anything to go and find and have a party. And it was that selfishness. And then it would flip from kind of darker thoughts that then I would be contemplating maybe suicide. Because the thoughts got so dark and I thought, Joanne, this has to stop. It was just getting darker and darker. It certainly had become your your sort of top priority. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely for, for the weekends. I was, I was great during the week. I could just keep myself focused. But once it became the weekends, that's where it got. And then I would have traveled a lot for work. So then I noticed the boundary slipping in because it was perfectly okay to have a drink when I was away for work because I had no parental responsibilities. Right. But then we would have drank far too much. And it just I just noticed. And coming up to the day when I stopped, it was us taking new customers. And I was up at the bar buying doubles. I was just on a different level to everybody else. I was the last one there. And it was the next day I had to get my husband to drive me into work because I just couldn't. I was so bad. And I just remember comments kind of like, you can fairly put the drink away. And I thought, this is new customers. This is my job. Yeah. My boundaries are just slipping. And I think then I went, no, you have to now. So how did we transition from these sort of dark days and this misery drinking, which I can 100% relate to, to realizing and or seeking a solution to your problem? We mentioned the times from the dry January and the sober October. I knew that I felt so much better when I had stopped drinking. drinking. So I seeked out support. I did try an AA meeting. I went with a friend. It wasn't for me. I know, like, even through my journey, I know it works for so many people, but a big part is there's just many pathways to recovery. So it's finding what works for us and embracing that. So for me, it was online community. And that was through um, a site called Soberistas. So it's basically, it's by Lucy Rocca. So she's in England and she had set up, it's just like a forum but you could be anonymous on this forum. So you could open up and post and you 
had connections with people. So I used that site a lot. Um, and then that leads me on to find other groups. So Love Sober. So that's Kate and Mandy. They are my, as we call, heroes. Yes. <laughs> they were the coaches that I'm familiar that helped with me. them. Yeah. Uh, love Kate and Mandy. Big, yeah. big part of my recovery. And it was through their group, their podcast helped me no end. Um, and then I did the Love Sober Life School with Kate and Mandy. Met so many friends. and as, But then I still had Soberista. So it was a lot of online support. There's nothing here at the minute in Northern Ireland. It's AA or yeah. there's, there's not really nothing else. We do have a local group at the minute which is smart recovery arc they're amazing but there's that gap here which i would love to get something done but the online is where it helped me and through soberistas i was able to attend an event in dublin so they had an actual in-person meetup well before covid and oh my god to be surrounded by like-minded people on the same journey there was people from Spain. There was people from the Netherlands. Everywhere. We didn't know each other at all. And we all met in Dublin. We got the bus to the first. It's the only alcohol-free pub in Dublin called wow. the Virgin Mary. <laughs> yeah, I've been. So I've been to Dublin and yeah. I was still drinking at the time. And I, yeah. it was like the Holy Land because yeah. it, it's just sort of like, downtown Dublin is very Mm. debaucherous and it was everything I was looking for because like Mm. I said I was still drinking so that's surprising but beautiful that there is at least one One. sober pub (laughs) right it was and it's brilliant and I think it was we were just so excited that none of us knew each other and we had all met had dinner and we got the bus on to go to this alcohol-free bar and we're still in contact a lot of us so it's making that connection and we try to to meet each other yeah throughout the year obviously COVID has had a part to play in that but mine has been mainly over the power of the wonderful internet is where alongside podcasts have been vital so I started my recovery journey in the rooms of AA and still am so grateful for you know, it saved my life. And I still practice a lot of the principles and read a lot of the literature. But I think this sort of platform and the podcast genre and the online community, specifically on Instagram for me, has been so powerful and so supportive, especially because of COVID. It just happened, I think, sort of at the perfect time. Mm -hmm. And you know, some of the old timers or more traditionalists in the AA program uh, almost frown upon it because of the anonymity, you know, and and I just have to say, I'm not telling your story and I I will protect your anonymity. I am telling my story Mm -hmm. in hopes that it can help someone. And I choose to recover out loud for those who are still struggling. Mm -hmm. So I think it's this whole new age of recovery that we would be doing such a disservice if we didn't take advantage of and utilize this forum and this platform Mm -hmm. to help those who are still struggling and to help those of us who are in recovery and need that extra support. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. And I think it's so inspiring when we get those messages then from 
people saying thank you so much for sharing your story because I relate to it and it's helped me and that that's what it's about it's just making people feel you're not alone in this yeah there's a world of us out there and we are pretty awesome as you know, I say at the end of each podcast, if we help just one person, our job is done. 100%. And I'm grateful to say that we've we've helped a few more than just one person. So I'm, I'm super grateful <laughs> for that. But I truly mean it. Like if if yeah. if this episode reaches one person and helps one person, I think you and I would both be happy with that. Exactly. You mentioned mental health, and I have struggled uh, with my own Mm -hmm. mental health issues and am diagnosed with depression and anxiety. Mm -hmm. And like you said, for the first almost decade that I was taking medication for it, I was sort of negating the, the positivity or the positive effects of the medication by drinking literally liquid depressants. Yes. So I want to touch on that a little bit. Now, do you pair the two together, your addiction and mental health? Do you treat them sort of in a combined nature or are you looking at them as as two separate issues that you deal with personally? I would say that, no, I truly believe that they're together. Mm-hmm. And the, I think it was the, the Soberful podcast that I always remember, Veronica Valley saying, alcohol is the symptom yes and I really so I think I used alcohol as a way that I thought was treating my depression and anxiety by just slowing down my brain to stop those negative thoughts in that cycle so for years I actually thought it was helping me but then what I came to realize was no alcohol interferes with the chemicals in your brain so what you're doing is making yourself worse so now that I have taken alcohol away my mental health is so much better but alcohol wasn't the sole problem so I still take medication for my anxiety and depression same but I also I think now because I'm not suffering with hangovers and anxiety for days and just in that negative cycle, I can do more of the actual tools which help like journaling, as we mentioned earlier, meditation. I love to learn. So I use my time so much more now to try and learn new tools to help me because I have taken away a symptom which has given me a better chance of getting better but it hasn't taken away everything. But I feel a million times better than better, what it was. A better solution, right? Yes. Yeah. Much better. Yes. So you had mentioned during addiction that, you know, it started to affect other people. Your sister, for instance, you mentioned specifically. And I think for me, one of the most beautiful things about recovery is that forgiveness or <laughs> showing the change in yourself mm-hmm. through your actions and being able yes. to rebuild those relationships. Was your sister one of those specifically? Or let's talk a bit about being able to mm-hmm. sort of come back and live your mm-hmm. life and rebuild those mm-hmm. relationships that may have been fractured. Yeah. My my sister was fine. Even after that, they are there. I am blessed with a very amazing family. Um, So I had never kind of reached a point where relationships were really bad. In fact, I think, well, it was more, 
maybe not seem to be really bad. Like definitely my relationship with my children, I think has improved immensely in the sense that I'm more present for them. I'm not hungover and I just feel like I'm a better, I'm a better mother. And my son, oh my God, he's my biggest cheerleader. He is just so, How so old are proud. the kids now? Jamie Callum is he'll be 10 now next month and Jamie's six so Jamie's still quite young doesn't really understand but Callum I would talk about it openly with Callum so he's very very proud and I think my relationship with my husband has improved so much I remember joking at the earlier days thinking I think I was about a year in and it was like things getting stressful and I thought I'll just go and get me a bottle of wine and his face dropped and I said do you not miss because that's what we did yeah. we drank together that was our relationship and I said do you not miss that version and he said Joanne do not have to worry about you coming home and do not have to watch you destroy yourself for days mentally afterwards he said no I much prefer this version of you so in that sense it has healed the relationship so much more and he still drinks but he's so respectful and like he wouldn't drink all the time. Yeah. And he's just, he really is my biggest supporter and supports me through everything. So definitely it does improve relationships. And I think my family, they didn't understand it at the start because with my daddy, we could see what alcoholism was in the sense he really had rock bottom were with me. They were like, you're just being too hard on yourself until they started to see me and started to piece the pieces of the puzzle together. Isn't that crazy how some people Mm. will almost talk us out of um, identifying our own addiction Mm. or Mm. seeking help or, you know, you don't have a problem. Let's, it's kind of crazy. And I think it's important that you said your husband does still drink. You know, that's Mm. not our uh, battle to fight. It's not our decision to make if he Mm -hmm. can, uh, mm-hmm. You know, if he's not drinking to numb himself, as most yes. addicts do, then, then, you know, you do we, you, <laughs> you do you, I'll do yeah. me. Yeah, I know that I can't. So with the, the kids, do you plan on having a conversation with them when they're old enough to sort of understand addiction since it does run in the family? Mm-hmm. Do you plan on being a little more preemptive about it? Yeah, def- definitely. Because I think it's so important to be aware of it because it can go anyway, like, Callum I would Callum at the minute is like no nope, I'm man. never going to drink Callum oh, yeah <laughs> oh he's, he's such a dope um <laughs> Callum's saying I oh, know I'll never drink no I don't I don't like it now whether he does or not right. is a different thing but yes I think it's an important conversation to have because of the risks of it and I'd rather my children had the information but it is up to them to choose their path in life. But if I know I can pass on everything that I've learned, because hindsight's a wonderful thing. If I knew back then what I know now, maybe I wouldn't be where I am, but I don't regret. I'm very thankful that I am, but I'd rather ensure my children have that information and then they can make their, their own decisions. Right. The education and the awareness, I think is the important piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it, it is, it's, and because it is so accepted within society, 
And I know how we are kind of here as a society and it's nearly encouraged. But I have noticed the change in the, in the generation, even within my own family. But because Callum sees, they see the sober coach everywhere. I have it yeah, everywhere yeah. that they're like, my mommy doesn't drink. or So definitely it is Callum's aware, a good bit. But yeah, I think it's important. Well, perfect segue. Uh, so you've taken this uh, powerful uh, journey and sort of awareness and turned it into a coaching business. Yes. Uh, a sober coaching business. Let's talk about that and where people can find you and services you offer and how you sort of work with your clients. Yeah, will do. So I have always loved personal development books. <laughs> love it love learning so I always knew that I wanted to go on to coaching so I trained to become a life coach and then because of my own journey I thought no this is where I want to help people because as you know yourself when you know how amazing it is yeah you want everybody to share in that you, joy yes share the mm. secret yes exactly so then I thought right that's that I am going to train to become a recovery coach and that's going to be my focus. So that is what I did. And I set up my Instagram page just over a year ago now. And it has been amazing. Which is how we connected. Yes. And (laughs) it is. It's powerful. And the connections we make for ourselves as well and to kind of all come together and help as many as we can so in terms of coaching at the minute I would do one-to-one coaching um there's no kind of nothing set in stone just what clients need what I also am doing at the minute is running a support challenge so I have some amazing women in there and again it's that with support so we just have daily check-ins and we have our weekly zoom call because i think the sharing is so so important to come together for connection so really it's just and then as you know yourself just kind of putting out content to to help and just the recover out loud as you say and help as many as we as we can it's a very individualized process. So I think it's important as you do sort of personalize the process Mm. for a client. And it's, you know, as you said earlier, everyone finds their own path to recovery, which I think is is another beautiful thing Mm. uh, about recovery. So I think being able to personalize it and walk a client through one-on-one is important. A hundred percent. And it's kind of different areas that I've trained on to kind of help that process. Like one at the minute is motivational interviewing. And it has a choosing a variety of tools to find because what works for me may not necessarily work for other people. But just like you said, it's and that's what's beautiful about coaching. It's a collaborative process yeah. that you work together to find find that solution and just to be somebody's cheerleader. And I just go, it. you're amazing. So what does the future look like for Joanne? So Joanne is going to be, so at the minute I work in IT and I have done for all my days of my, well, 14 years, Wow! but I am transitioning now. I will be full-time coaching for the Subware Coach come April 
So <laughs> I, I just, I love it so much. And I just felt like it was time for me to, this is my path now that I'm ready to walk. So it is just to continue with the sober coach and just try and help as many people as I can. Isn't it beautiful when you find, my dad has told me since before I started working, which was, I was 13 or 14, that if you can find something that you love doing and have it as a career, then it doesn't feel like work. And since I started on this journey and now that I'm turning 40 in, in May and like his little nuggets will pop into my head sometime and I'm like, damn it, he was right. And <laughs> that is, that's one of them that is, is life-changing. Yeah. And mm. I'm so happy that you get to do that. Mm. Mm. Oh, it is. It's, a, it's amazing. Amazing. And I'm so blessed and so grateful myself. So, and then I get to meet amazing people like yourself too. Ditto. So it's all Ditto. good. <laughs> Well, what's one thing that you would like perhaps listeners who are still struggling to hear on the podcast today or be able to take away from our chat? Really to trust your instinct or trust your gut. I think sometimes we think it has to be like a rock bottom or nothing. There, it can be. There's, there is no definitive. If you have a thought that mm, I'm not too happy with my drinking, Trust that thought and just reach out for help. You don't have to wait until you hit a time where there has to be devastation. You can get off this train at any time you want. So I would say if you have that thought, reach out and explore it. There is a term for grey area yeah. drinking. Yeah. And it's because that's kind of what I would identify with. It's, and if it's causing you problems, you can let it go. And life's so much better. <laughs> Well, Joanne, tell everyone again where they can find you online. So my main platform would be Instagram, love Instagram. So I'm at the underscore sober underscore coach. Um, yeah. yeah. So come, come connect with me on Instagram. I'd love to be connected with you. I'm so grateful that we connected and that uh, we finally got to spend time together. Me too, Nate. Thank you so much. Joanne Nash, thank you so much. We will link all of your information in the show notes today. Uh, let's keep in touch, my friend. I enjoyed our conversation. Me too. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening today, friends. Hopefully you heard something that resonates with you. And if we help just one person, our job is done. Make sure you check out today's show notes for all of the information on today's episode and how to connect with our guest. You can find all things podcast related and subscribe to our show at the sobrietydiaries.com, youtube.com slash Nate Kelly, where we upload today's video podcast and on Instagram at the sobriety diaries pod. Check back every Wednesday for new episodes with new stories to tell. But until then, try your best not to drink and be good to yourself. Bye, friends.